states like these and their terrorist allies constitute an axis of evil. Not merely peace in our time, but peace in all time. Continued cooperation for world peace. All those who have fought against oppression. This country deserves a break from politics and a permanent break. Talking about My first question, uh, who are you and, and what do you work with? Well, my name is Mykola Beliskov. I'm a research fellow at the National Institute for Strategic Studies uh, that works with the president of Ukraine. And I, for the past 2.5 years, I have been working at the defense planning department. So I was studying Ukrainian military, Russian military, and uh, analyzing both of our armed forces and in general um, studying operational arts. So uh, more or less, this is precisely what is going on in the field of my interest. Alas, uh, this is happening with my country. But yes, there is a lot of stuff to analyze, to think about, and uh, in the future to synthesize and uh, make in-depth research and write books even. How would you describe the military situation in Ukraine at the moment? Well, uh, our armed forces, but not only armed forces, but all the forces of security and defense sector, we are conducting the so-called strategic defense operation. The purpose of the strategic defense operation is, uh, is there is number of fold number of dimensions of uh, purposes of these operations. First of all, you exhaust uh, the offensive potential of the enemy uh, and you gain time for your own mobilization and mobilization for the international community. And I would say that we are successful right now uh, in this strategic defensive operation, despite some inroads of Russians in Ukraine, because if you analyze what is going on from the operational art perspective, from the operational level of war, uh, and you use the measurement of success in this level of war. Uh, you have to remember that at this level of war, it's about quick penetration of the tactical zone of defense and then swift encirclement through convergence strikes uh, of the enemy main forces. Yes, Russian made some inroads towards Kiev, uh, around Kharkiv, also in the south, but they were not successful in uh, uh, getting major results on their operational level of war. So. We are conducting active defense. We uh, not only withdraw with, uh, in order, but we also make Russians pay, pay a steep price for every meter of Ukrainian territory they go. That's why uh, even uh, if you see all these maps, uh, it doesn't mean that Russians are successful uh, at all levels of war. I mean, tactical, operational and strategic, Russians are not successful. And they prove incapable of both conducting deep battles, so-called, uh, which means uh, combining different arms of uh, warfare branches of, of arms uh, in the tactical zone and also in the operational art. Basically, we see the repeat of the situation of this winter war USSR had with Finland in 1939-1940 or uh, the war, the first war in Chechnya in 1994-1996. So everything Russians can do, they just uh, make inroads using the superiority of numbers. So, uh, that, that's all they can do. So they are just uh, using their superior numbers, but they are destroyed in mass because more than uh, 
250 main battle tanks were destroyed, almost 1,000 armored personal vehicles and infantry. Uh, armored personal carriers and infantry fighting vehicles were destroyed. That's why I, I would say that historians of the future, both uh, historians and a series of the military uh, arts, they would compare it with uh, what uh, USSR or Russia did in uh, in uh, Winter War and in First Chechen War, uh, respectively. And in general, I advise everybody to take with a grain of salt all these maps. You might see that Russia controls some parts of the territories, uh, except those territories already occupied uh, before uh, 24th of February 2022, because all they control are the, are the roads. They are moving on. And even in places they moved past, uh, they uh, are not welcomed. Uh, people actively and passively resisting. Uh, some of cities are in isolation, like Konotop, like Sume, like Okhtirka, like Lebedin, where I was born and where my, my parents are now in without electricity, without mobile phones. But it makes Russians to, to, to station some forces along these this places, uh, which means there is less forces on the front line. So in general, despite some inroads, Russians are not successful on all three levels of war. And that's why... My last point uh, with regard to this question, they uh, started indiscriminate use of fire. They start terrorized population with uh, artillery, with multiple launch rocket systems, with missiles. And lately, they also started war with nuclear power plants because, as you know, they made inroads in the biggest nuclear power plant in Europe with uh, six reactors and with indiscriminate use of fire. They threaten the security of your whole Europe because there is a threat of nuclear accident. Uh, that's why uh, Russians are only capable of fighting with civilians, civilian infrastructure, and lately with nuclear power plants because our warriors, our security and defense sector uh, soldiers, they are effectively confronting the Russians on the front lines and making them pay steep price for every meter of sacred Ukrainian territory they are moving on. You know, we have all been very impressed and struck by how bravely Ukrainians have fought uh, in this in, in this battle. And the Winter War is a, a reoccurring analogy, actually, uh, in our discourse about this war. Could you elaborate on how Ukraine so successfully has uh, stopped or at least slowed down the, the Russian offensive? Uh, well, I want to start from the one thing. Uh, in Ukraine, you see not only the situation uh, when uh, Russian army is discredited. So we were constantly fed up with the fairy tales about successes over the modernization and rearmament of Russian armed forces in the last 12 years. What also we saw is discreditation of the Western military analysts in, in general. Not all of them, but in general, yes. Because if you remember, uh, before this round of aggression started, we were sad that Ukraine is doomed, that Kiev would fall in 48, 72, or maybe 96 hours. And then Ukrainian soldiers reminded everybody that war in the end is about taking control over territory, which means employment of armor and infantry. And uh, with highly motivated infantry, we have with a means to destroy tanks, with a means to destroy infantry 
fighting vehicles, armored personal carriers, we can inflict damage on Russians continuously. But of course, it's not only about infantry. All our formation, all our branches of arms are actively fighting. So Russia still don't have air superiority. They don't have control of the air, given our employment of the Soviet-aged uh, fighters and Soviet-aged surface-to-air missiles. We are actively using our piloted combat aviation uh, to strike both their uh, formations and their lines of communication, their logistics. We are using combat UAVs of Bayraktar TB2 type to target both logistics and air defense systems. So they don't have uh, this uh, cover of surface-to-air missiles in uh, Ukraine. Also, uh, our uh, artillery uh, uh, formations are very active. Yes, they save uh, ammunition. They use it very diligently. So when they see that the result would be the biggest one, but artillery is also very active in confronting uh, Russians, uh, Russian formations. For instance, the formation, the separate uh, uh, regiment of multiple, uh, separate brigade of multiple launch rocket systems that is based in uh, in Sume. Uh, is actively engaged both in the defense of uh, Kiev and Kharkiv. Some of its divisions are in uh, Kiev direction, some of its divisions at, at Kharkiv direction. And we have instances where elite formations, like the first uh, tank guard army, the most, uh, I would say, uh, advertised formations, the most renowned formation, the uh, uh, so-called company tactical groups, battalion tactical groups, are either actively confronted by Ukrainians with losses or they just so demoralized that they are leaving the heavy equipment. I mean, not only main battle tanks and armored personal carriers or infantry fighting vehicles, but also self-propelled hovitzers of the modern type of this MSTAS system. So uh, I would say that uh, in general, we see that uh, the idea that uh, Russian armed forces uh, were so successful in modernization proved bogus. It was a fairy tale. We see the discreditation of the Western military analysis because basically Western military analysis were fed up with these fairy tales. And alas, they intimidated both Western governments, Western media and your population and our own population, alas. That's, that's really the situation. And we are actively confronting Russians. That's why we see demoralization among Russians. Uh, they are not as uh, ready to fight continuously. And uh, yes, in general, I would say to you that this whole situation would be compared with a winter war. Because if you remember, before the winter war, uh, USSR Red Army, they boasted a lot of new equipment, hundreds of main battle tanks, hundreds of airplanes, a lot of artillery, and so on. And also the most modern uh, deep, deep battle, deep operation doctrines, and so on, and improved nothing in the end. Because on the other uh, side, there was highly motivated people which knew for what they are fighting for and were waging existential war. Because basically we are waging existential war. Because when Putin said about denazification, demilitarization of Ukraine, it means genocide. They are basically uh, already doing it, genocide, because people are dying, children are dying. And I say to you, if, if uh, we imagine this hypothetical situation, because it don't happen, it won't happen, that Ukraine would lose, but again, it's it's hypothetical situation. It won't it won't be. For instance, I would be shooted because of my uh, position, and because I uh, also share this sense of identity that Putin disguised that Ukraine is a separate nation, 
that Ukrainians have their own identity that is based on unique interpretation of our history, our feelings toward our language, uh, and also sense of the freedom and belonging uh, to uh, liberal democratic values. That's why we are waging existential war and we are highly motivated. And one of our troops uh, can be compared value as much as maybe 10 or even more Russian troops. That's why I would say that we would continue to actively resist in Russia still the full stabilization of the situation. Now we are in the mode of strategic defensive operation, but we would uh, amass reserves we would uh, exhaust Russians and we would fully stabilize situation even in the south where are the major inroads. And then uh, I would say we would even start and slowly uh, rolling uh, out Russians. Uh, or at that time, also there might be scenarios they would be so demoralized that nobody is ready to fight and die and there would be no option to Russia then to come to terms. Because it's not only about Ukraine, it's also Western sanctions we highly value all the assistance we receive, both in terms of defensive armament, uh, in humanitarian assistance, but also in the sanctions. Sanctions are working. And that's why the time that is gained by our uh, forces, uh, by our troops' active defense, it means that sanctions would be crippling Russia, and soon Russia would be a country of uh, bankrupt economy. And, and my last question is, yeah, and you briefly mentioned this and touched upon this, uh, you're receiving now a lot of military lethal, uh, lethal military aid from a lot of countries, including Sweden. We are sending 5,000 anti-tank A24 systems. Uh, uh, what difference does this lethal military aid make and, and what more sort of military aid do you need in your struggle? Uh, in the end, what we need is a readiness to uh, close the air uh, around Ukraine, because as you see, Russians are indiscriminate in the uh, use of air power. We need, at we need at least the readiness of NATO to, to provide us with a surface-to-air missiles that could cover Western Central Ukraine and not allow Russians to terrorize civilians, to terrorize such important, uh, um, important uh, um, places like nuclear power plants. So we need uh, uh, closure of uh, airspace. And uh, I think we were moving to, to this decisions cause uh, this decision cause uh, Russia is leaving no other options with the discriminate use of air power and missiles. Yes, we appreciate what we receive, but uh, first of all, I, I need to say that be ready to provide us more because yes, we are receiving this and we appreciate it. And with uh, what you provide soon, we would have enough uh, uh, anti-tank means, uh, anti-armor means to destroy every piece of the Russian equipment they have. But remember, they have some equipment in storage. I mean, older tanks, older armored personnel carriers, infantry fighting vehicles, and it could be situation then when they exhaust their newer equipment, they might uh, use uh, equipment in storage in this uh, Siberia, in uh, in far far east, and so on. So be ready to provide us more of this kind of equipment, and we also need. Not only uh, anti-tank guided missiles, you have this uh, Bofors 70 MANPADs and that are uh, resistant to these uh, measures, uh, that uh, countermeasures used by Russia, these uh, heat uh, countermeasures. So we need not only uh, systems like anti-tank guided missiles, uh, we need also MANPADs and we would be glad if you provide us with MANPADs so we create enough density of manpads, not only surface-to-air missiles, but manpads. We proved already that we can shoot with manpads, attack helicopters, and if you provide us with manpads that are 
resistant to, to these uh, heat countermeasure, uh, countermeasures of Russian helicopters, we could shoot much more of them down and to continue this attrition warfare because Russians tried to do it swiftly. I can't say it was Billy's Creek because it would be a misservice to people who really did this kind of things. I, I mean, from the terms of military art, Russians don't have military art. They just count on their numbers, superiority of numbers. But we, uh, with provision of anti-tank guided missiles in, in major quantities, so continuous provision, and also manpads, we can continue this uh, war of attrition we, we actively engage on uh, till the moment Russians won't have ready people and won't have enough uh, uh, armor to move into Ukraine further. Nikola, thank you very much for this brief interview. Uh, I would also like to express uh, my and the entire Swedish people's solidarity with the Ukrainian people at this moment and, and, you know, and your bra very brave struggle.